All right, it's good to see everybody. Yeah, it's good to be back. Welcome to RUF. Um, yeah, so here in RUF, uh, a lot of you know this. I say this every week. Uh, you're never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And you're never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. Uh, that I want to remind you all of that each week. That a lot of us, we come into this room from different places, we're different people. We all have different backgrounds, different families, different stories, different uh, hurts, uh, different places that you find yourself here. And uh, what draws us into this room is not from where we came from or what we've done or haven't done. What actually draws us is God's grace. That we actually are here all in a place of need. We're all on level ground. So anyone and everyone is welcome, is welcome to come here and experience this. Um, that I long for you to encounter what this is. And, and I hope RUF can provide that for you. So it's been a couple weeks since I uh, have preached here in large group. We took a little break from our series on the Beatitudes and... So tonight we're picking back up on Matthew 5, 6. Uh, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So briefly, uh, just for those of you who are new, or uh, maybe those of you who have kind of forgotten some of the framework we've been looking at with the Beatitudes, just a review of it. Uh, one of the things we talk about is that, say if one of your non-Christian friends was to have lunch with Jesus himself. And the question he asked him was, Jesus, what are your people like? What are the people who follow you? What do they look like? Jesus would describe the Beatitudes. He would say, life in my kingdom looks like this. This is the description. Um, and the description of what this type of person looks like really flips over a lot of what we would think, success and flourishing, attractiveness. It really flips that on his head because that's not what the Beatitudes are. Uh, so Jesus, he spoke to these first century Jewish people and he speaks to us today in the 21st century. And what he says about the kingdom of God directly conflicts with often what we believe success, what we believe flourishing, what we believe happiness even looks like, what it's supposed to look like. That the good life in Jesus' kingdom, it looks much different than often how we feel it's supposed to work. That's what's crazy about him. But he says, no, this is the path. For instance, one of the things we often hear today, uh, one of our mantras really of this age is this idea that you really just need to be true to who you are. You need to be true to yourself. And we hear this in a, in a variety of ways um, that one of the most important paths for you to be flourishing and to be fulfilled is just know who you really are and then express it. Be, be able to have an opportunity to be able to let people see that. Uh, it's why some of you uh, struggle so much in the major that you're in. Picking a major. 
or uh, struggle so much in, in figuring out what you want to do with your life, what, what job you want to have, your vocation, or where you want to live. Is tech even the right place for me? Or what kind of spouse do you need to have? Because primarily what you believe, and what I believe, I fall into this, is that finding those things or being in that place or having those things are what is going to bring you fulfillment. It's what is going to make your life matter. It's, one of, it's what's going to give you flourishing. Uh, so if you're in a major that you don't feel fulfilled in, well, what do you do? You find another major, right? Or uh, if you're in a job that's too mundane or doesn't seem to really give you what you think you're supposed to feel, maybe you need a new job, right? We tell ourselves this. Or, or if you're at a campus or in a location, a city, that just doesn't match what you need, then, then move. If you have a girlfriend or boyfriend, doesn't seem to really meet every need that you have, maybe it's the wrong person. Or maybe you're single and what, what you really need is just somebody that's gonna fulfill you, right? We do this all over the place. So you tell yourself the answer uh, to you, the path to flourishing is really just changing wherever you're at changing your location, your job, your relationship, that that is what's going to bring you the most joy, contentment, purpose, happiness. Yet notice in these Beatitudes that Jesus says here, where you go to find happiness, joy, fulfillment in my kingdom is actually going to look a lot different than where you think and, and what you think the world is telling you. That he actually flips the path over on its head. It's not what you do or don't do. It's not in a location or place you're in. It's not even in a romantic relationship. No, the kingdom of God is a place that has people who enter and they're empty. They don't have anything to give because their king provides their needs. It's, uh, it's where people um, aren't using other things to, to bring them comfort, but are, but are willing to mourn and grieve over the ways that they don't have it together because their king comforts them. It's a place where instead of working so hard to be noticed and accepted, just you know, running the race of life, trying to get ahead, rather they can be meek. They're actually okay with letting others' needs get met at the expense of their own. Why? Because in the kingdom, you have a king that's already seeing you. He already knows you. He's there. You don't have to get ahead. That these are the qualities of people walking in God's kingdom. And so that's just a review. That's what we've talked about the past couple weeks. You can actually go on online. We've, we've got them recorded on Spotify if you want to kind of dive in a little bit further about what each of those things are. Um, but here's the thing. I think if we're honest, we're turned off to really wanting to look like this. That everything about this way of living, it seems kind of unattractive. It's not very glamorous. It almost seems foolish to really want to walk in this way in a life on a college campus at Tech. Why would we really want to subject ourselves to this? But what if what Jesus is saying is true? What if this is actually the path not just to make you suffer, but actually to give you what you most desire, 
to have your deepest longings being met. What if it is true? What if it is the path to true happiness and contentment and flourishing? What if what Jesus is naming here about the citizens of his kingdom is actually calling his people to admit what's already true? That we are always in need of God. It's just recognizing that. That, uh, that when we actually recognize that, it's sad. It's sad how we don't measure up. It's sad how we can't provide. It's sad how uh, we're broken. That we can mourn over that. That acknowledging this will cause us to not boast, but actually take a step back. That we, that we truly wouldn't be what we need in, in the kingdom. That the kingdom citizens are people who are actually walking in reality of what is already true. Which leads us to this next beatitude. Uh, Because walking in this reality will produce one thing. It'll produce within you a desire for things to be set different. And I know y'all feel that. That that just looking out there and wanting things, craving things to be different. A hunger and a thirst for things to be set right. Right? That's what we want. So let's read together. This is Matthew 5, 6. And then I'll pray and then we'll talk about this a little bit more. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Let me pray for us. Dear God, uh, we need you. We need you because we are people um, that come to you with nothing. Nothing but what you can give us. And so please provide for us tonight, God. Please meet us here. Uh, Please comfort us. And please soften our hearts uh, so that we are able to see you and know you and that we are able to be satisfied in you because you are who we go to for everything. It's in Christ's name, amen. So let me just start off by asking a question. When was the last time you can remember that you were truly hungry or truly thirsty. Maybe some of y'all, that's, that's today. I don't know. Uh, I think that this question can kind of be hard for us to answer because we live in a place that if you are hungry or thirsty, you aren't very hungry or thirsty for very long, right? It's pretty easy uh, for us to find something to eat if we really need it. <laughs> so we might be hungry, but you can go to a grocery store, restaurant, kitchen, <laughs> Um, get takeout, delivery, whatever. Uh, if you're really thirsty, generally you have something to drink, such as you know, a water fountain even, um, that generally we're able to satisfy that hunger and thirst pretty easily. And if you don't, what happens? Well, you are miserable, first off. Uh, if, you, if you don't, you become sick. You starve. Um, And then at the worst, you die. (laughs) That our bodies were made for food. They were made for water. Uh, uh, On on TV one night, there was this report of this guy who was doing dialysis because his kidneys were failing. And uh, so he was put on dialysis. And one of the things he could not do while on dialysis was drink water for several hours or eat anything. For several, uh, I I mean, it's like almost all day that he's going through this. Uh, And so because the health of his kidneys depended on this, he he was abstaining from it. 
right? So his family, they couldn't bring water into the room because of how much he craved it and just how miserable he would get around it. Uh, And all he could get was just this dampened little sponge uh, that he would basically uh, suck on and chew. He was like eating this sponge and chewing on this sponge just to get any kind of drop because he was so, so thirsty. And um, the metaphor Jesus is using here is that is how we want to feel about righteousness. Now, what Jesus is saying is you were made, just as you were made, your body was made for food and your body was made for water to live. You were made for righteousness in the same way. That's the, that's the image that's coming here. You were actually made for righteousness, which is so different than, than, than what we really think about, <laughs> what we long for. Um, I think a lot of times we think about righteousness more as kind of the dessert at a meal. Like, you know, you, you're going to eat, you're going to get filled. But, you know, it's just that little something at the end that, you know, makes things a little bit better. You, know, you can get by off of it, but you, you don't have to have it to really survive. But Jesus is saying here, this is crucial for you, that you were made for righteousness. And so an important observation to make uh, that the kingdom citizen, life in the kingdom, is one of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Which means what? It means that you actually don't have it. You're hungering for it. You're thirsting after it. That when Jesus says we are to be a people who hunger and thirst, he is not saying that we are a people who are perfect, that we've already attained perfect righteousness. That's not what he's saying here. Or or that you've arrived to completion. Or that you are currently righteous even. That this right conduct uh, is not necessarily the full requirement of living in his kingdom. But what is the characteristic? It's a longing for it. It's wanting it. It's hungering for it. That, you know, some of you may be in this room and immediately you know that you aren't living out what you're supposed to be doing. You aren't living out what you say you believe. You know, you may be here overcome with guilt right now about the ways you aren't who you want to be. Whether it's something you did over the weekend, whether it's something you did last night. Maybe it's something you did an hour ago. That what is apparent to you is actually how much you don't measure up, how unrighteous you are. And here's the question I have for you. Do you want to be different? Do you long to change? Do you really want to be different? Do you really hunger and thirst for to be made right, for things to look different in your life. Now, here's the thing. I think if we're really honest, I think a lot of times we don't completely crave this. Because what we often really long for is just to feel good, just to be more comfortable, to do what makes us happy to have the least amount of pain. For instance, you know, I I know some um, of you maybe 
well, I mean, not specifically, but like, for instance, staying up too late with your significant other alone, right? This is the non-married people, okay? I know some of you are married. Um, but, you know, just telling yourself, man, this just feels good, right? Or, or for instance, you know, I know I shouldn't drink. I know I shouldn't drink this right now. But, man, it's fun. And, and I'm, I'm able to cut loose. I'm able to feel more free. Or I know I, I should be going to class and studying, but I'm just depressed. I'm really struggling. And I think it would be way better if I just slept in. Or sat in my room and watched TikTok all day. Or numb your pain with porn all day. Now, those are things we we know probably aren't the best for us. But we do them anyways. (laughs) Because what we really crave is just to feel better. Um, That's often what we really are hungry for. But uh, there's also the desire to do the right things. Because you're actually getting something... But it's not, the, it's not true, uh, the desire for righteousness. What it, what it is, is like maybe even some of you in this room are here because you know it's just going to make your parents happy. Or it's, um, it's just going to give you some sort of respect. You know, maybe some of you uh, get applause or uh, recognition from people for doing good things. Again, what is it you really hunger for? Is it righteousness? Or is it really acceptance? Is it really recognition? Is it really success? And whatever you're finding worthy at the time. Now, as I said at the beginning, what Jesus does in the Beatitudes is he flips over this path uh, to flourishing that we tell ourselves. And so the things that we say are going to bring us comfort, Jesus says no. I know what brings you comfort. So what this means is if we long to be satisfied and we are looking for it in all the wrong places and we want to be filled, what Jesus is saying is I want you to be satisfied too. And the way to do that is hunger and thirst for the right things. And so very briefly, what are the right things? Well, for one, it's right relationship to God. Uh, Now, I mentioned earlier that the the Bible, it has several meanings for righteousness, that there's this righteousness uh, that's what we would call justification, that that God places onto us um, righteousness. And what Jesus is saying here is more of a righteousness of like right conduct, right living, that blessed are those who hunger and crave the right way to live. Uh, They're going to be satisfied. Now, I think it's good to understand the starting place for this because when we think about not hungering, not thirsting for that, where do we go? Where do we go? How do we actually change? How do our desires actually become towards good things? And so what I, what I put here is right relationship to God calls you back to your starting place. And that's that God completely covers you with Jesus, 
that your disordered desires are covered by Jesus. That uh, when Adam and Eve were deceived in the garden and, and sin entered the world and all disorder took place, brokenness, rebellion, that the fall, it disordered everything. But God didn't leave us in that. That through Jesus, this is what Paul means, not having a righteousness of my own. That comes from the law. But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So when you hear the word justification, which is another churchy type word, this is what it is. <laughs> that this is what it's referring to. It's a belief that you don't have what you need to make your relationship with God restored. That right relationship to God comes through Jesus doing the work. There's this old NBA player uh, that probably nobody, of, any of you have ever heard of. His name is Dickie Simpkins. Has anybody ever heard of Dickie Simpkins? I'm just curious. Okay. Now, this player, he has won more championships than some of the all-time greats of all time. So he's won more championships than Charles Barkley. He's won more championships than LeBron James, than Kevin Durant. Now, here's the reason you have never heard of Dickie Simpkins. Because in all those championships, he never scored one point. And in all those championships, the reason he didn't score one point was because he played zero minutes. But Zimpy, uh, Dickie Simpkins is a three-time Zimpy Dick... Uh, <laughs> He's a three-time world champion. Now, why is that? Because he played in the decade with Michael Jordan, uh, Dennis Rodman, and Scottie Pippen when they dominated the NBA. And he never played one minute, but he received the exact same rank. Now, this is a picture of the righteousness we actually receive in our relationship to God. That God, he did the work. <laughs> Jesus did the work. We played zero minutes, and we get the ring. So you are everything you need to be in order to be in right relationship to him. Everything. Now, here's the reason I start here, because if you find in this place of hungering and thirsting for righteousness, uh, not for righteousness, but for other things, which we get, we get into, the way around that is not just to work harder. It's to go back here. It's actually to reflect on what God has done for you. It's to actually know your relationship with God. It's to really know that. So some of you have experienced that. And you know that's true. And you go through life and you end up falling. You end up becoming more numb. You end up uh, doing things to provide yourself comfort. And so for you, I say, look back. Look back at what Jesus has done. Now, some of you don't have this desire for righteousness because you've never experienced this. You've never really been affected by it. And so for you, I say, do you want to experience it? That here's what you do. Later tonight, talk to God about it. And say, I actually want to change. And experience it. Because this is the starting place for hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And so what does this do? It doesn't leave us there. It actually takes us to a place. 
Where does this take us? It, it changes us. It changes us in our relationships to one another. Uh, and so that's the, se- the second thing, right relationships to others. So when we truly receive this alien righteousness, this righteousness apart from ourselves, it does, it does something within us. It saves us from ourselves, but it saves us to a new self. It really does. It, it changes us. It reorders our lives. It reorders our relationships. Uh, this is what we refer to as sanctification. I don't know if y'all have heard that term before, but justification would be what Christ did, his full work, his merit is on top of us. Sanctification is God working within us, his grace working within us to not leave us in that state. That this is part of the gospel too, because actually he plans to change us more and more into Jesus. He wants us to look at it. It's an ongoing uh, process. One of my favorite illustrations of this is in the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, when there's this young boy, uh, Eustace, who has become a dragon. It's kind of weird, I know. But uh, So read the book, you'll figure out why. But So the Jesus figure in the book, Aslan, is this huge lion, very powerful. And he meets this boy in this state of being a dragon. And he asks him, do you want to be a boy again? Do you want to become restored? Do you want to be, be, become back to where, uh, what you were originally created to be? And of course, the dragon, the boy, says yes. And so he starts attempting to remove his scales, and they just fall off, but there's just scale underneath. Uh, but what he discovers is that um, him trying to remove it, it it's hopeless. But Aslan tells him, that he is the one who has to do it. And so he proceeds to take his giant claws and cut into this dragon's scales. And it's excruciatingly painful. But what it does is it restores him. Aslan's process of changing him back, although it's painful, it's actually what he needed. It restores him into being a boy again. And a lot of times that's how sanctification works in us. That God, he's taking his claws. Sometimes he's painfully reordering things. He's painfully reordering loves. He's restoring us. That some of you are here and you feel like uh, life has become even more painful for you since you've been a Christian. Walking in his ways. And I think the Beatitudes actually show you that that's normal. That's a normal part of this. Uh, that in those places, what it does is it actually creates more hunger, more thirst. God, please make things right. Make me right. Change this. We long for this restoration. However, as I close, uh, keep in mind what Jesus promises here. That you will be satisfied. That that's a promise. That it's a future promise. That one day, your desires, your cravings for the wrong things, they won't exist anymore. You will only crave what is good, what is right, and you will be met with it. You will actually be satisfied in it. But also, I think it's important to say that you can experience it right now. That is, it's not 
completely waiting around for the satisfaction. That he really does give us a foretaste of what this really looks like. Uh, that it, he says in Luke 18, truly I say to you, there's no one who's left house or, or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom who will not receive many more times, many times more in this time and in the age to come. That it, some of you are here in really hard places. Some of you have been through really, really hard things. And what Jesus says here is that you, your hunger and your thirst for, for things to be right, you actually can't experience it. Now, how is that? How is that? Because in those times when you want to numb, when you um, don't feel hungry and thirsty for the right things, your temptation is to separate and to isolate and to remove yourself and to say that you can't be anywhere close to God's people. But part of how you will experience satisfaction and this actual hunger and thirst for righteousness is through being together, being in community, being with each other, not being in it alone. That this is what you need to experience, a foretaste of who he is, of what he is going to make you for. There's a, a um, experiment that was done. This, this researcher was researching addiction in um, humans, but he was doing an experiment on rats. <laughs> uh, but yeah, of course. So what he did was his hypothesis was that your environment affects addiction more than the substance, which is kind of uh, altering a little bit in the addiction world, that a lot of times uh, the focus is on the substance. And so what he did was he put heroin in a water bottle uh, along with a regular water bottle and put rats in their cage by themselves. And 90% of the rats went to the heroin water bottle over and over again to where they ended up dying of overdose every single time. Well, what he did in the second experiment was he put rats in a cage with other rats and with fun things to do and with other uh, ways to do uh, like exercise and, and all this stuff. And what he discovered is almost none of the rats went to the heroin bottle. That what they really longed for and what they really craved was being met in, those, in their community, in their environment. And so in this way, when you see that your, your cravings are disordered and that your longings for things are, are for things that you know are destroying you, the answer is to turn to, to the resources God has given you. It's to turn back to your right relationship with Jesus. And it's actually to experience that in community. A community that knows you. And a community that loves you. That can point you back to who you are. Who you really are in Jesus. And then also encourage you to long for the right things. Let's pray. Dear God, we need your help in this.
that we long to be a community like this, that longs for the right things, that does the right things. Uh, But we fail at that. We long to um, be known and be loved uh, and know and love each other. But again, we fail at that, that we need your help. We need your grace. I pray that you would transform us, that you would transform uh, this place to, uh, to be a place where uh, we can experience. Experience you and experience right relationship with each other. It's in Christ's name. Amen.